Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago from Mark chapter 14. In the previous weeks, we have heard of Jesus anointed, anointed at Bethany. We have heard of Judas and his plots and schemes to betray our Lord and Savior Jesus. We saw Jesus in the upper room with his disciples instituting the Holy Supper. Last week, we had Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane teaching us the will of God, the will that God would crush his son instead of crushing us. And then we saw the shameful betrayal with a kiss. Jesus arrested by the ragtag group in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now our text brings, picks up tonight, verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest. Jesus before the very council. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know a lot about God's love, don't we? Every time we turn on a sporting event, that is when the sporting events are canceled, we see someone, maybe even with a rainbow hairdo, holding up John 3.16. For God so loves the world. We have a lot of people right now questioning just how much God loves the world. After all, if God loved the world, why would people get sick? If God loved the world, why would the economy be such a mess? If God really loves the world, why doesn't he stop this epidemic, this pandemic, this coronavirus? Does God really love the world or not? Maybe you're thinking that, or maybe you've been tempted to question that as well. Our text for tonight teaches us the full extent of the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. They led Jesus to the high priest. The chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Peter followed at a distance. I'll be standing right behind you, Jesus. And I'm sure Jesus is thinking, how far, Peter? A mile? Two miles? Peter was there. He was curious. But Jesus and Peter are going to have a very, very different outcome from what Peter had planned earlier in the night. As he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. God's word is clear in spite of all the attempts to attack Jesus. In spite of all the attempts to nail Jesus to the wall, all the witnesses, they could find no charge against him. My friends, do you realize the significance of that? 
Jesus is the Son of God, the spotless Son of God. In spite of all the things that were going on, all of the plots and the schemes, all of the temptation that Jesus had to curse the people who were plotting and scheming against him, there was no valid charge. There wasn't then, there isn't now. Jesus remained sinless for you, for your salvation. Many bore false witnesses against him. Their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and bore false witness against him saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands and in three days I will build another, not with hands. You understand the accusation here against Jesus? They were charging him with insurrection, trying to create riots in the streets, tear down the buildings, tear down the walls, looting and pillaging. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Tear down this temple, Jesus says, and I will rebuild it in three days. God's word teaches us the temple that he was speaking of was his body. Jesus, again and again and again, teaching and preaching why he came into this world, God in the flesh. He came here to set his sights on Jerusalem. He came here to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He came here to be beaten, mocked, ridiculed, crucified, put to death. And three days later, rise from the dead. Jesus spoke about this plainly. It's easy to point fingers at disciples that were slow to hear and learn. Dense, maybe. But remember, apart from the Holy Spirit, none of us can believe. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we are bound in the trespasses of our sins. I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. Jesus spoke plainly then. We preach and speak plainly now about the mission of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus says? He who has an ear, let him hear. Finally, finally the high priest, Caiaphas, takes over. Caiaphas says, have you no answer to make? As Jesus, like a lamb before his shearers is silent, made no noise. How different Jesus is from you and me. All of us have bachelors, masters, maybe even a PhD in self-justification. Whenever we are confronted with our sin, what do we do? We make excuses. We blame others. We justify ourselves. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is that old Adam or Eve inside of us. We're really, really good at it. We don't want to hear about our sin. 
We don't want to admit that maybe, just maybe, we're wrong about something, about anything for that matter. But Jesus will not play that game. Jesus falsely accused says nothing. Verse 61 of Mark 14, Jesus remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. I am. Don't let anyone foolishly tell you that nowhere in the Bible does Jesus claim to be God. Nowhere in the Bible Jesus claims to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. Jesus clearly, plainly, and openly says, I am. Ego me. I am that I am, Exodus 3. Jesus, God in the flesh for us and for our salvation. And then Jesus gives words, words of warning, of course, words of truth. Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Really? When will the high priest see this? Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, coming with the clouds of heaven. When will the high priest see this? My friends, he will see this the same time you and me see it. On the last day, when Jesus in his power and might and glory comes to judge both the living and the dead. For believers, judgment day, the end of the world, brings no fear. We are in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. And nothing or no one can snatch us out. Jesus will return on the last day. And his love is so great, even for Caiaphas, the high priest, that he teaches him that judgment day comes, in a sense, calling him to repentance. The high priest tears his robe. He will not listen. He will not believe. All of those who are guarding Jesus chime in. They beat him, they mock him, they ridicule him, hit him from behind, prophesy who hit you. Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, the sinless savior, is condemned to death. What about Peter? I'm gonna be right there with you, Jesus. Where was Peter? Mark 14, 66 teaches us. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. 
Now is the time for Peter to shine. Now is the time for Peter to make the good confession. Even if I have to die with you, Lord, we heard last Wednesday and earlier in Mark 14, I will never deny you. But what does Peter do? Verse 68, but he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. No comprende. I, I don't even understand the words you're saying. Oh, Peter. But it gets worse. He went out into the garden. The rooster crowed. Didn't Jesus say something earlier about a rooster crowing? Yes. He said, before the rooster crows two times, you will deny me three times. The rooster crows somewhere around midnight. The rooster crows. Wake up, Peter. Confess. Repent. But Peter is too busy self-justifying. He's too worried about his own skin. And the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, uh, This man, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them. You're a Galilean. Peter could no more deny that he was a Galilean than somebody from Texas or Mississippi can deny that they come from the South. His accent gave him away. One more time for Peter to repent and confess the truth. But Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. And then, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down. And he wept. My friends, how much does God love the world? God loves the world so much that he is delaying judgment day. That's right. He is delaying judgment day so that people, sinners like you and me, will repent. He loved Caiaphas enough to call him to repentance. He loved Judas enough to call him repeatedly to repentance. And here, clearly in our text, he loves Peter. He calls him to repent. And finally, after the false confession and dastardly deed is done, finally, Peter breaks down and weeps. True repentance, right? He felt bad. He felt sorry. 
They were no crocodile tears. They were real. My friends, feeling sorry for your sins is not enough. Feeling sorry for your sins is not true repentance. Remember what God's Word teaches us? Repentance has two parts. First, that we are truly sorry for our sins. And second, that we truly believe that God in Jesus Christ forgives us for our sins. Judas was sorry, but he wasn't repentant. He had no faith, no faith that God could or would forgive him. And in hopelessness and despair, he took his own life. Caiaphas, Caiaphas was not even sorry. But in God's great love, the servant's ear, Malchus, that was reattached by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, continued to work in Caiaphas's household, a constant reminder of God's love for Caiaphas and for all sinners, continually calling sinners to repentance. My friends, how much does God love the world? He loves the world and he loves you so much that he is calling you to repentance right here and right now. Fears, worries, maybe even panic is overwhelming many people right now. People doubting the existence of God, people doubting the love of God, people doubting the justice of God. My friends, tonight, hear the word of God as if for the first time. God's love for you is so great that he sent Jesus into this world to take away your sins. By his perfect life, bloody death, and glorious resurrection, he has won forgiveness, life, and salvation for the whole world. He delivers this Good Friday death and Easter resurrection to you in the waters of holy baptism. He feeds you with his word and very body and blood in the holy sacrament. He calls you to faith and he keeps you in the one true faith. He calls you to faith and then grows and nourishes and sustains you in the one true faith. And a part of God's love for you is that he continually, daily, calls you to repentance. Why? Because you and me struggle with sin each and every day. Why? Because Satan will not rest as long as you are in the hands of Jesus and not in the hands of Satan leading to the fiery pits of hell. God continues to call us to die and drown with our passions and sinful lusts. To die and drown with our doubts, our worries, our fears. To die and drown with all of our panic. 
and wondering, does God really love me? Does God really care? My friends, God's love is real. It's real in the death and resurrection of Jesus for you. It's real in the forgiveness of sins, God's claim on you in the waters of holy baptism. And it is real in his continuing care and call for you to repent, to be sorry for your sin, and to believe the good news that God can and does forgive you in Jesus Christ. And now, forgiven, redeemed, restored, we are filled with a confidence, a confidence that nothing in this world, no doubt, no worry, no virus can take away. A confidence knowing that we are in the very nail-scarred hands of Jesus and that we are safe. Safe from the attacks of the devil. Safe from whatever tricks the devil, the world, or the old Adam inside of us wants to play. My friends, tonight, tomorrow, each and every day, hear God's word. Hear God's war, uh, call to repentance. Cling to the truth of Christ and his word. Know that you are in his hands and that nothing or no one can snatch you out. May God give you that confidence today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our worries and fears in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And my spirit rejoices.